Welcome to another edition of Market Impact Insights, your podcast source for business leadership perspectives to help your business grow. Hear from experts in marketing, sales, business strategy, and more with practical advice for business success. Make sure you won't miss the latest episodes by visiting marketimpactnow.com. Now, here's your host, Dan Albaum. Welcome back, everyone, to another great episode of Market Impact Insights. You know, a fundamental part of any marketing budget is digital marketing spend. It's massive what's being invested in digital advertising and marketing in the U.S. alone. There are estimates that that has reached as much as $460 billion. It's growing every year. There's more investment going in. There's a sense of of digital being this very critical part of a strategic marketing spend. But obviously, optimization is really important. And, you know, nearly three quarters of marketing budgets are being put towards digital marketing. So the stakes are really high. It's really critical to make the right decisions. And I'm excited to have a conversation with a true digital marketing expert today to get underneath how can leaders and how can organizations really get the most from their digital marketing strategies and their investment. Reggie James is a well-recognized expert in marketing and digital strategy. He's the founder of Digital Clarity. That's a pioneering consultancy, and he's working with businesses to achieve their marketing goals by really bringing a lot of innovation, creativity, and then the science of digital marketing. And we're going to dive into all of this today with Reggie. Welcome to Market Impact Insights. Dan, thank you very much for that wonderful introduction. I'm absolutely delighted to be here. I've heard a lot about your uh, podcast and the value that it brings. So thank you so much. And I'm delighted to be on here. Well, let's get back to your story and going back and thinking about what originally sparked your passion to pursue this path of helping businesses optimize their digital marketing. Thanks, Dan. Well, gosh, I've got to go way back. I've spent sort of 30 years uh, in this business. Some call me a veteran the other day. I didn't know how, quite <laughs> how to call it. But it's, um, yeah, I started life off in the print business, um, selling advertising to both uh, media agencies and advertising agencies for um, uh, businesses that if you're, uh, some of your listeners are old enough may remember brands like Ziff Davis and Mm -hmm. PC Mag and all those kind of things in the early days. And then very quickly progressed when the dot-com boom sort of started. It was really the people from the advertising uh, world, the ad sales world, who understood how to create business models, uh, which is where we got the CPM, cost per thousand model, for banners when it first went online. So that was in the very, very early days of, uh, of digital marketing. Then, of course... Uh, there was a little company over in Mountain View, California, called Google, um, that came along and turned everything upside down and created pay-per-click advertising and really fast forward to where we are today because there's lots and lots of different channels, lots of different things. But fundamentally, you are paying in terms of paid uh, advertising. There's lots of different types of marketing. Uh, but my background was very much in the paid side that then very quickly developed into understanding science, understanding data, understanding how all those things sort of combine 
And it was really when I was working for a search engine, which eventually, uh, again, going back a number of years, AltaVista, which is now Mm -hmm. part of Verizon's Yahoo. uh, I was dealing with global brands like Hewlett-Packard and various others, technology businesses, and helping those brands make the most of this brave new online world that I realized there was a huge disconnect between understanding what data was, understanding how that data impacted on a number of different things that that people did online. And so I formed Digital Clarity to help both agencies and brands understand the user journey and off the back of it created a technology called DC Storm, which in Europe was used by about 40% of the larger media planning buying agencies. And they use that as a uh, post-click analysis tool as well as an attribution tool. What actually triggers a buy? Was it a click? Was it another ad? Was it this, that, and the other? And that was that sparked a whole new journey in the uh, in the digital marketing realm, if you like. So that's my that's my my background and how I got to where I where I am here today, uh, which is a, a a marketing advisory business. So we don't run and manage campaigns anymore, Dan. We are uh, called upon by boards, CEOs, and, and and sort of marketing leaders, if you like, to come into their organizations and help them understand, and in many cases, deconstruct what is actually happening with their marketing, pivot some of the stuff they're doing, and in essence, create a strategy, not a you know not a series of to do lists, which seems to be uh, mm-hmm. the case, but really create a, a, a coherent strategy that aligns marketing with all the other aspects of their business as opposed to it being siloed somewhere else but also the other big part is is realign it with sales understand the revenue opportunities understand how the sales team works understand how they're engaging with things and that's 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 what digital clarity does today yeah yeah so much to unpack there and you mentioned brave new world when you're referring to your journey at that point it feels, Reggie, like we are very much still in this brave new world because uh, think about what's happened the last couple of years and just the dynamics that are impacting how marketers uh, actually think and how they um, go and, and connect and, and the consumer mindset and how they shop and how they buy. So much just happening even on the B2B side. What are some of the things that you see that are making effective marketing, maybe even a bit more challenging. There's a lot of opportunity there, but could be a little bit more challenging than even say 10 or 15 years ago. It's a great question, Dan. Really a number of years ago or or before the pandemic, let's put it that way, people used to say, I used to hear all the time, data was the new oil. And really the new oil today is attention. We are bombarded with numerous messaging uh, in our business environment. When we get home, when we get, you know, whatever, wherever we are, there is there is a lot of noise that's out there, and that makes, uh, you know, brands, the companies that we work with, it makes it very challenging for them to actually communicate a message that's going to be clear, it's going to be effective, and is going to take their prospective customers on a journey and which is what we try and do so so in answer to your question the challenge really happened uh 
post-pandemic, when the onus of, and certainly in the B2B arena, it's the buyer that's in control and the buyer thinks completely differently. So there's some great research from Gartner um, and, and McKinsey that talk about an always-on scenario, which was, has always been around. But the number one thing is that the lines between B2B and B2C have really blurred. And it's very much what we call human to human. And the way people buy, certainly post-pandemic, um, though there are challenges with that, is created. If you understand what you're doing and have a very strong uh, strategy, you can really start engaging with customers um, who are not going to buy today, but you're going to nurture them who will definitely shortlist you and consider you in a much stronger way further down the line. And that is what we sit down and talk to our customers about. So to sort of expand on that a little bit uh, to try and help some of the listeners, what I mean by that is there's some great research done by LinkedIn that talks about 95 it's called the 95-5 rule. You may have heard of it. But what it means is that 95% of people who engage with you through your communication, be it marketing, be it a blog, be it a, a wonderful podcast, which again is a very, very big, um, not always given the status that it deserves, but the more and more that people are looking at things like, like passive marketing and what we now term as dark social, uh, again, I can expand on all of this. It's where prospective customers are engaging with you. They may even listen to something. They'll earmark you. You don't know they've earmarked you, but they'll earmark you. And then they'll uh, or bookmark you. And then what they will do is they may send out an email to you or download a playbook or contact you for some information. All they are doing is building up a profile of who you are and what you do and how you are going to Solve one of one of two things. Are you going to solve a problem or create an opportunity for them? It's normally the, the, the former. They've got a problem and your solution is going to help fix it. So they're, they're shortlisting and trying to understand who are the best people that are going to do it. They don't want to speak to sales most of the time. They don't want to be bombarded by a, a sequencing email set. Um, so what they do is they have their own internal buying committees, depending on how strong they are. But in essence, there's a team within an organization, even in very small organizations, who are tasked with solving the problem, be it purchasing a technology, being it whatever it may be that they're looking to buy. And they are understanding the best way to deal with that issue. And the, and the more sellers understand this, the more... Um, sales and marketing people understand that this is the way people buy today, the more effective their communication will become. And that's one of the more, the, the kind of challenges and opportunities that have arisen, especially driven by the post-pandemic world. It's the Yeah, it makes a lot of sense because what you're talking about is really an intentional process. So this isn't about uh, purchases through random transaction. What you're talking about is a real intention uh, in the mind of a buyer uh, in terms of how they gather information about you uh, as a seller. And it really leads to um, the fact that this is, because it's intentional, it's a process over time, 
it's that customer journey that all of us marketers, we talk about it all the time. And Reggie, where do you see part of that understand the mindset, but can you expand a little bit on um, how understanding that end-to-end buyer's journey is really going to pay off in terms of long-term results? Absolutely. So I think one of the key things is, is number one, the organization before it does any, any communication with the outside world has to understand who they are and they have to really understand the soul of their business. In many cases, to try and answer your question, Dan, is that if when I go into an organization and I may have five people in a room or online, I'll give them the, a piece of paper each and, and get each one of those. It might be a CMO, chief revenue officer, the CEO, might be anyone. And I'll get them to write down two things. It's normally five things, but I'll give you an example quickly. Two things. What does your company do? And what are your goals for the year? And I get them to each individually write it down. And then when they turn that paper over, you can bet your bottom dollar that they're all different. And that's at an organizational level. That's at the top level. So if the communication within the organization is so disjointed, sales are thinking one thing, things are, I'm giving a very, a very extreme example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it happens. There is, um, George Bernard Shaw said, you know, the, the challenge with communication is the assumption that it's actually happened. And it's and in most cases, it doesn't happen. And that's inside organizations, let alone what they're trying to do outside. That's why we're bombarded by so much mess, so much noise. So the key thing is what we always try and do, Dan, is look for the authenticity of the brand. Miriam Webster's word of 2023 was authentic. And that is something that a lot of we're finding that a lot of companies are going back to. We're also finding that the uh, though people talk about all these wonderful superlatives like lead gen and ABM and uh, GTM, go to market and all these other th- wonderful things or demand gen. Let's create lots of content. If you don't know your start point, if you have, you know, you're never going to find your North Star unless you have a strategy to get there. And the building blocks that we create, things like, you know, what is your value proposition? What is it you actually do? Who do you actually serve? Why should they choose you? What is the value? You know, money is what you pay, as Warren Buffett says, and value is what you get. And unless you really understand what that means, you are just going to be throwing a lot of dollars, a lot of time and a lot of energy away so we bring it back to basics we sometimes use some very very old-fashioned techniques dare i say um because they're tried and tested they are though we're in a very sophisticated world and people want authenticity they also want authenticity because of the the rise in ai the rise in this you know sometimes frightening but opportunistic and and very very effective piece of technology but they want something that's authentic and they want something that's real. So they engage in it. We know, we know, you know, if you've been around a few for a while, you know when someone's um, coming out with something or, or trying to pull a fast one because you've been, you've been, you know, because you, you can see it. But a lot of companies don't, you know. How many times have you gone through your uh, LinkedIn feed and you'll get some um, 
not always young, but but you'll get somebody who'll say, I can get, can you handle 10 more leads a day? Uh, you've got a great system. And you suddenly think, oh my goodness, who is this guy? But for a buyer, they can't differentiate between what's, whether this person is actually, you know, um, has got credibility or not without going through a very painstaking process of actually doing that. And we try and, we really try and, you know, the cream always rises, as they say. So we um, we help companies define that. And that's what I think companies have to go back to, is going back to brand, understanding who you are as a company, understanding how you can deliver that, and then working with someone that's going to help you really define. Sometimes organizations are too close to it that they can't see the wood for the trees, and, and that's what we try and help them do. Yeah, I love that. It's about uh, truly understanding yourself before you go out and seek to engage in, in, in understanding your audience. So uh, having both of those pieces, and you mentioned sophistication, Reggie, and obviously we, we've never been in a time with a greater array of tools and technology available to marketers than we are right now. And so there's this intersection of technology and into marketing as a science. You mentioned AI. Where do you see that all fitting in and how to make the most of all of this available new emerging technology to kind of stay on course and be effective as a marketer? Well, AI is here um, and and there's no, and it's not going away anywhere, you know, anytime soon. So, um, you know, you've got to suck it up and, and get involved with it. It's not something that's, 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 that's going away. Unlike other things that were coming around, like Web3 and NFTs and all these other things that were coming around, which are maturing, believe it or not, but they will take time to mature. The same with AI. How many cycles have I seen over the years? Goodness, so more than I care to mention. You know, I, I, I remember when Google started and everyone said, Google, that will never take off. Um, famous last word, social media. Oh, that's that's for kids, right? You know, all yeah. these things, things that I'm sure you yourself have heard, Dan, over the years. But it's it, it takes time for these models to mature. It takes time for um, for all of these things to bed into society, to bed into the infrastructure, uh, for government to make legislation, as, as Google uh, found out, with the games industry. But there's a huge amount of convergence that's going on, and it's, it makes it makes trying to understand what to do very, very difficult. If you are making, you know, a product or a, you deliver a service, your focus is on delivering the best of that service. All these other things that are around you, they're either going to help or hinder you. And really, what one needs to be clear about is what are the areas that you can use that are going to help you accelerate what you're doing. AI falls into that. AI is a very broad church. It um, There's lots of different aspects of these, what we call large language models. We, we as uh, having interrogated data over the years and, and used data as a um, tool to help us understand, we, we were very well versed in trying to understand three three-dimensional sort of data fields and various other things like that. So Large language models that are used in um, in in what we you know ChatGPT and Bard and various other sort of tools that are available at the moment. These are beginning to grow. They're beginning. They're getting a lot cleaner, a lot better. They are 
There's going to be other tools that are going to come out. The key thing is just to understand how to use them, how to understand prompts, how to understand the technology behind them, the technology stacks, how they can be integrated into your, if you have software and processes within your organization, how can implementing something like ChatGPT's uh, SDK, software developer kit or their their, AI, their, their actual um, uh, back-end integration system, how can that help your organization? Again, these are things that we that we do, that we, we try and help, but not doing it for the sake of doing it, not doing it for the sake of just saying, oh, AI's here, I better do this. You end up trying to squeeze a square peg into a round hole. What we do is look at it in an intuitive way where are the gaps? Where can AI fill those gaps? Where, where are the efficiencies that can be made by using things like AI? These are the questions that we try and help our clients with. And then once we've established those, then we can actually show our clients the best way of using them because we understand their day-to-day -day activity. We understand what their processes are. We understand what how the processes could be better. And then we build in, we build in um, the AI infrastructure into that, as opposed to the other way around, where a lot of people are just trying to use AI for everything and trying, to, and then scratching their heads, going, "I'm getting really confused. I don't know what's going on." So there's a lot of there's a lot of finger in the air stuff at the moment, Dan. A lot of people not understanding, but it fundamentally goes back to what we've been sort of touching on. It's getting back understanding what you do, understanding why you do it. Yeah, I know that sounds like a very simple question. Um, understanding what the value is that you bring to your potential customers. Who are your potential customers? And then looking at all the infrastructure you have internally in your organization, um, whether you're a small to medium business or whether you're a larger organization, and understanding all the different moving parts of your business before you even start thinking about your marketing and, and everything else, it has to be a holistic approach because the impact of marketing, it just impacts on everything, but then so does sales. And then so does the human resources. So does, you know, all, all the other aspects. So it's very, it's, and it has to be done in a collaborative way. It can't be prescriptive. You can, and, and that's the, that's the key thing uh, of, of, these emerging technologies, and we've just touched on AI, there's a whole host of other things, a lot of automation and various other things. As long as that fits in, as long as it, I'm going to use the A word again, authentic, then it will work. Nobody likes to receive a sequence of emails that do not talk to them. There's nothing, nothing kills a deal more than, um, than something that is, um, that is, 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 is never meant, it doesn't talk to them. Like it's talking to them directly, so so that's uh, why podcasts work so well because of the dynamics and things that they have and, and where people listen to them. It really, really speaks to them and of their attention. So yeah, so that's 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 how we're looking at new and emerging technologies and how we're integrating those for our clients and how it works well for them. And it's beginning to it's beginning to pay dividends. It's working really well. Yeah, there's another aspect of these emerging technologies in AI, the effect that's uh, occurring, which is there's some fear out there, isn't there? Uh, you know, in, so whether it's Absolutely. people within working within agencies or maybe on the client side, but I've seen 
the active conversation that says, what does this mean for me in my particular role? Is, is my job going to change? Is it going to go away? Am I going to be needed? The human factor. And so you're probably seeing some of that too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that for those who can engage and understand these emerging technologies like AI, they are in a position to be far more engaged. We know people who are starting to use AI and they're actually recruiting more people um, because they, they are increasing productivity through the use of AI. So this is the other side of it. You, you know, I know there's, there's a lot of people who are tightening their belts, so to speak. But the reality of it is, is that AI is creating a lot of new roles it's building and developing new business for a lot of companies. So therefore, they're taking new people on. The other thing to remember, Dan, which I think is also a very important point, is that um, we all have to retool and reskill. You know, if I was still doing the same thing I was doing 20 years ago, I wouldn't be here. Um, I, you know, we're always learning. We have to adapt. We have to change. Everything changes. Um, it's the only constant that's that's true in this world is, is change. And I think one key factor to try and understand, which I think Forrester first looked into, or a few, quite a few of these research businesses looked into it, that about 30 to 40% of the jobs that will be around in five years still haven't been invented yet, which is a frightening, oh, uh, crazy. Uh, frightening sort of thing. But, but there are roles. Um, that didn't exist six months ago. So, for example, prompt engineer. There, there, there's a classic. Uh, there's a classic role that a lot of companies are looking to employ. They are looking to employ one person or a group of people or a team to come in and purely help develop their AI as part of their um, what used to be called digital transformation or, or digital acceleration. But they know that that and and that is a very again a very broad and I could do a whole episode just on that with you, Dan. But yeah, it's... Um, a lot of medium to large size organizations and certainly the the information that we are getting back and and our day to day experience and it uh, and feedback that we're getting is that these there are new roles being being created by the very nature of these things. So. Though there is a lot of fear out there, there's a huge amount of opportunity, and it's and it's and it's real, and it's 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 less about being whether you're a pessimist or a, or whatever. It's it's about saying that there are changes inevitable. What does change look like? Well, we don't know <laughs> because we don't know what the future is going to look like. If you fell asleep. 18 months ago and woke up today, you'd be wondering what kind of world. What happened? Yeah. You know, yeah what it, happened? What's, what's, what's going on? What, what interest rates are how much? Inflation is what? Um, what? You know, what actually happened? You know, what's going on in, in geopolitically, um, you know, supply chains around the world. Um, there's, there's all sorts of things, as we know, that we, you know, that we don't particularly want to touch on. There's some, there's some crazy things going on out there. Um, and I'm not talking about the U.S. elections, but but there is a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of crazy stuff, and it seems to be getting crazier. However, goes back to that thing, you know, people want to know what is it this thing is going to do. You know, why why do people 
why do people buy? It, it solves a problem or it creates an opportunity. And though there are, there are lots of variations on either side of those, the reality is you can distill a lot of this down to the, those two functions. You know, what is the pain point that you are actually addressing and how you, are you addressing it? And what will your solution do to address that point? So, but I would say to people out there, don't be, don't be afraid. Um, um, there, there is a lot of fear out there. A hundred percent. More importantly, there's a lot of opportunity out there. You've just got to, it, it's going to start presenting itself more and more, but be ready for it. Be ready for it. Get, get working on it now. Learn about it now. Read up on it. There's a ton of stuff out there that you can learn. There's lots of courses on YouTube, which are all free. There's lots of other things on um, on LinkedIn, lots of other channels. And I tell you what, in 12 months time, you'll wish you started today. So get it, get into it now. Well, let's shift and, and talk a little bit to practical steps and in, in the work that, that you referred to. And we, we know as marketers, storytelling, um, effective storytelling is so critical in being able to engage and connect with those audiences. How do you see the current B2B landscape and, and the keys to ensure that you're developing that right, relevant messaging that is going to really resonate and get the behavioral response that you want? Again, Dan, a fantastic question. I think uh, I think we've we've touched on some of those points in, in some of the answers earlier, but fundamentally, um, the example I gave of of sitting in front of a board and getting them to getting them asking them, you know, sitting in a cold room and asking them some rather direct questions about who they are and what they do. It's probably been a while since companies have actually had an opportunity to do that, and I think now is a good time to do that. So the way one can practically do something is to ask yourself, um, if there's not someone like myself or someone experienced with you, is to go back to basics and fundamentally understand the soul of the business and maybe go back, if you're the owner of that business or part of the management team or leadership team, to understand the ethos of where the company started from what were the goals of that business, how it's adapted over the years, what it was trying to achieve back then and where it is today. Look at the look at the kind of where you were and where you are today. Look at all the great things that you've achieved, all the hurdles you've overcome and the opportunities that are out there. And then really double down on getting into value proposition. Value proposition, what I mean by that is think about brand. Think about who you are as a business. What do we call ourselves? How do we describe ourselves in a way that other people will find compelling? How do we name and present our products and services? What should our website look like today? Is it still relevant? What are the materials we need to give our people to do what they can do better? You know, what you know, what does what are internal? principles you know guiding principles what should it be so storytelling comes out of that comes out of that whole thing the tone that we adopt when we when we start looking at writing spoken communication so getting back to basics 
understanding where you came from, that is a story in itself. And jot down, put together all that, you know, like a storyboard. We started on this day. It was founded by this. There is a story that's building before you start adding all the magic, all the all the sprinkling, the Hollywood stuff. Get the basics right, and then from the basics we can tell our story, and that's a great way, a great way to to sort of as a start point for organisations to do that. So um, that's how we work with companies. We get them to to go back and, and and start doing that. Put the building blocks together, storyboard it, whiteboard it, put it together, and then from that you get these amazing eureka moments, saying, "Wow, this is brilliant." And also from that as well, we start seeing that people start pivoting five or six degrees and say, actually, we're not that type of company anymore. Today, we are this type of company. But let's tell the story of how we got here, because it's an interesting story for people to to understand. We're not just this faceless thing. So that is um, hopefully that helps on some of the points that I made there. Um, I'm certainly happy to send and share some of those questions I just uh, mentioned to you with, with some of your listeners. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 a discipline and some patience there, but to go through a series of steps, don't try to get too far out in front of yourself. Don't try to overcomplicate, but back to basics, start with the basic foundation and, and build uh, makes a lot of sense. And obviously something else that's really critical in, in this whole marketing ecosystem it's the relationships that exist between clients and agencies and we all know that even the best of those relationships over time there are going to be points of strain and stress in those relationships and you've seen a lot of that i know you've been at the intersection of that what is your advice around how to ensure that those relationships stay healthy and productive you know, Dan, this is one of the biggest challenges out there. It's like, um, you know, there's always a strain. When we talk, we ourselves, having been an agency and now being more of an advisory uh, business, we have a black book of people that we've worked with, a, a variety of different agencies and specialists, because a lot of the companies we work with, even though they have, may have big marketing teams, they may not have the specific skill sets or the experience to do the things that we ask them to do. So one of the things with agencies that I find is just the lack of communication. And one way, and we have been called in as mediators to build bridges between client and agency. And one of, and, and again, what we have to do is if I was to start from scratch, I would always say, table in a time to speak to the most senior contact that you have within the organization and the most senior person within your agency. I know large agencies have their uh, customer liaison teams and all these various other things. For smaller to medium-sized agencies, I would always say to them, keep the communication channel clear, bad or good, it doesn't matter. Your client should be able to approach you and say, I'm struggling with what you're asking us to do. I don't like what you're asking to. The numbers you said we were going to hit, they're not hitting. 
And equally for agencies, they need to be 100% crystal clear, not be yes men, just nod the head, just so they win the fee uh, or, or, you know, or, or, or just to get over the brief. They need to interrogate the brief. They need to be able to say, to be brave enough to say to a client, um, the brief that you've written is absolutely not achievable. It's a wish list. Um, and all those different things. And, and guess what? Debate ensues and, and we all sit down collectively and actually come up with something that will work. So there's not a client out there that doesn't want, you know, 10x growth over the next 12 months. But equally, the client, the, the agency has to be able to sit and talk to that client and say, okay, in order for us to do that, we need to be doing this and realistically you're going to get 2x over the next six months or whatever that might be. One of the things that we always say is that we are brutally honest with clients. Not that you're not going to achieve the goals you're, you're going to hit. It's that if you want to achieve those goals, it's going to be a very, very tough journey. You're going to have to do the work. It's not a one way. It's not a, a master and servant relationship. You're going to have to do the work. Everyone wants a six pack, but you nobody wants to get up at five in the morning and do the run, hit the gym, cut out the pizza, <laughs> all that kind yeah. of stuff. You know, you, it, you know, marketing is available to everyone, but it's not for everyone. People need to want to have change. You can't carry on the way you're going as an organization, calling them a, a marketing agency or, a, or an advertising agency and expect them to do all the work that has to be a collaborative experience mm. yeah. the agency has to be brave enough to tell them that uh, nine times out of ten they don't they'll nod the head take the money and then when things go wrong because they invariably will um there's no relationship there the best thing that someone can do is tell the client we are get, we may have disagreements we will have heated debates you will disagree with some of the things we ask you to do and we expect you to do that. And if you can have that sort of um, candid, um, healthy type of relationship where you can challenge each other and find a consensus, but done in a constructive way where, you, where it's almost penciled in once a month or once a, you know, whenever, whenever that is, it gives both parties the opportunity to have that communication. And they and when that happens and we table that in, you see all this stuff come out, everything comes out. Well, he said this and she said that, and that, but it allows us to deal with it. The worst thing is when people harbor a mistrust of the agency and likewise, the agency with the client, that things fall apart. It should never get to that. It's like any relationship, most of it breaks down through lack of communication. I hope that helps that. Yeah, it's back to something we talked about earlier, which is authenticity. Authenticity isn't about just having the, the positive, affirming conversations. Authenticity is about having those honest, constructive conversations. And there's a provocative aspect of that too. And so, you know, getting to higher value by having, um, you know, tougher conversations, different points of view, perspective, get it out on the table, challenge thinking, all of that really good stuff uh, is going to make that relationship more meaningful. 
I make it richer, you know, over time. And something that I've heard you talk about, and this is coming back to the discipline of having intent and a defined process is four steps around bringing this all together into effective digital marketing. What's that all about? And is there some examples that you can bring in, in terms of where that's really proven to be successful? Yeah, absolutely. Um, We talk about four steps um, because it really is a, a process. There has to be a process without that process that you're just kind of shooting in the dark. <clears throat> Our four-step process has been honed over um, almost uh, more recently over 10 years, but it, it's it's baked in with sort of 20, 30 years worth of experience. I'm really showing my age here, that goodness me. Um, but understanding, having the experience of dealing with different types of organizations, different platforms, different things, we've developed a four-point um plan that helps our clients very very clearly see what and how that our process works if they want to achieve something that only the five percent of organizations are doing very well it goes back to the Pareto principle the 80 20 if you like rule that 80 percent of companies are doing things what everyone else is doing it's only 20 percent of companies if you analyze and look at what those leaders in the field, any any uh, you know market group, they all follow very very simple principles, and our research into that has kind of allowed us to develop a four point process. So that four point process, to give you a, a broad overview, because it's, once we go in, it gets in a lot deeper. Excuse me, <clears throat> is that. Um, the first part is establishing if we are the right fit um, in the discovery. Um, we never want to work with somebody who doesn't want change. That's the first part of the, um, the equation, if you like. So we work very, very hard at qualifying what people mean by, the, by the saying that they want growth. And this is before we've even signed up with them. So we will work very hard. We have a process. So that's sort of part one, if you like. Then part two, providing that we've gone through this sort of uh, quite uh, questioning process and both parties question each other, is we have what we call a diagnosis workshop or a series of workshops. This is where we sit down with all the major people involved in the organization, the stakeholders and everyone else who's going to enact change. It could be quite a lot of different people. And we diagnose where they are today, where they were, where they are today and where they're looking to go. We look at their their blocks and barriers. We look at their mindset. We look at why they do what they do. And we really question them on the goals that they're looking to achieve, why they're looking to achieve those goals. And then we distill all of that information and come up with a strategy, which is point three. And we deliver that strategy. So we we explain what's going to happen, how it's going to work, how this phased approach is going to work. And then we execute that strategy. We execute it and work with them. 
There are milestones baked in. There are regular communication channels built in. And we start delivering that. And then the fourth point is review, um, analyze, look at the data, tweak and fine tune what we're doing. And then we go again. Because you can, again, that we touched on earlier on, you know, as it said, the old saying goes, a week is a long time in politics. Well, believe you me, a month is a long time in marketing, especially digital marketing. And that's why we constantly have to review. You are impacted by lots of things that are outside of your control. We can only control what's in front of us. So we look at all of those things. And that, in essence, is our... It's a very broad, if you like, a very broad brushstroke that we have developed and we ourselves are tweaking and fine-tuning that as well to adapt. To give you an example of how that's worked quite well, um, we've worked with a technology company. I can't say who they are, but if you really want to dig deep uh, and you look at our website, and you well, not so much on our website, but you look at some of our communication you will see that there's there's quite a number of different things that we've done for different organizations where we've applied that. And with this particular organization, um, we did rather well for them uh, that they grew sales within the uh, a very, very large marketplace that they'd been trying to break into for quite some time. This is an American-based software company, um, and we dealt with their EMEA, the, the European arm. And we grew uh, by applying our methodologies, 48% in sales growth, and then year two, 68% um, in terms of development. And they did what we asked them to do. Um, unfortunately, they did so well that they were acquired by another company who wanted to do that. And they put in their own team. But that's just one example. And we do we do this all the time. Um and there are there are lots of that. I'm not suggesting that everything's going to be as 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 rosy as that. It's just that they got it, they understood, they wanted change so badly, and they wanted that. You know, it's it, Jeff Bezos talks about you know the day one company that you've got his first ever shareholders meeting. He talked about how you have to go for it. You cannot. You know, th this is the time. The time is now. There is no past. You know, we cannot experience the past that's there we kind of experience the future all we have is now and it's what we do now and what we apply now um and building the best uh, of what we can and that's that's where these these four points that we have the four part process that we have is really what we do and on the face of it, it seems very simple but applying it and applying all our different methodologies and and and, and plans and workshops and and um, frameworks and various other things, they're the things that all join together like a, like a jigsaw puzzle. And then you suddenly see people saying, wow, this, this, is, this is really happening. Some take longer than others. Um, everyone moves at their own pace. But that's what, the, um, that's what our four-part process is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that aspect of moving with a sense of urgency is so critical that you talked about. Now, you're providing these really critical strategic advisory services. Reggie, I'm going to flip things around and ask you, what's the best piece of business advice you have ever received? Wow. That, that's great. I would say that over the years, when I've sat down with 
uh, successful CEOs over the years. I think if I was to distill all the different people that I've spoken to, they've always said to me, there's never a straight line. You know, you're always going to come up against blocks, barriers. People are going to have a go at you. But just remember one thing, never, ever give up. Stay positive, stay focused, stick to your plan. If you don't have a plan, create one. Create that strategy, develop plans within that strategy and stick to it. Keep going, review, refine, you know, and and keep going, but never, ever give up. You're going to hit barriers. Things are never going to work out the way you want them to work out, but just keep going. Never give up at the first, second, third, fourth, fifth hurdle. Just keep going. And that's the best bit of advice I've had from so many people because sometimes, boy, oh, boy, do you want to give up. Boy, oh, boy. It's, it's like doing that run in the morning. You want to stay in bed. It's cold outside and, and you don't want to do it. Get up, do it. Do your 10 push-ups. Do your thing. And it's exactly the same with this thing. Do those calls that you said you were going to do. Talk to the accountant, even though you don't want to do that. That's half an hour. You're never going to get back. Um, and all these other things. <laughs> yeah. But just, but just keep going. Never, ever give up. Uh, look back if you need to, but always stay looking forward. Yeah. And I yeah. think all the people I've spoken to have said that. Well, in my book, The Impact Makers, I devote a whole chapter to how critical having an optimistic mindset is as a element of exceptional leadership. When you think about the future, what makes you optimistic? Wow. Again, I just think of all the opportunities that are out there. I think that we're going through a huge amount of change. You know, we touched on geopolitical stuff and about the impact on um, on the on these emerging technologies. I really believe that these emerging technologies, putting the geopolitical stuff to one side, I really believe that these emerging technologies indexed against experience, indexed against authenticity, put them all together. You've got some wonderful opportunities ahead of you because there is a swathe of people out there that a lot of marketing leaders are looking for. And if you can develop something where you are willing to serve, not sell, if you're willing to authentically deliver advice in a genuine way, you will always do well. And I think there's a huge amount of optimism out there for people who can really find their their inner self, their inner business self, their company's inner self. The only way is up. Do you have any other final advice as we wrap up our conversation today for marketing leaders that are looking to elevate the performance of their teams? I would say that Sometimes to move forward, you've got to understand where you are. And I think a lot of marketing leaders are not questioning what they are doing. They are following a process that may have been implemented quite a number of years ago. 
and they've been asked to take over that role and do much of the same. You've got to break the mold. You've got to take a step back and actually look at what's going on. Ask yourself, what are the numbers we're hitting? And this is why it's also joined up. Marketing leaders have to take a step back and actually look at the much bigger picture and actually say, where is our organization? Where are where does it fit into the Venn diagram of the customers that we have out there? Where is our sweet spot? Help develop your value proposition and instill that within the organization. And that value proposition, again, is what is it that, that you do? Why is it you do it? Why should companies choose you, i.e. why are you best to deliver that for your potential customers? And really distill that down. Clearly understand what you're delivering for your customers. And if you can get to that, your marketing and your communications will be a lot clearer, a lot stronger, and more importantly, far more effective. What a way to wrap things up. Thanks again, Reggie, for inspiring us, a perspective on impactful digital marketing, on leadership. Really appreciate all of the energy and the experience that you've brought to help us all be better marketers and be more effective. And a reminder to you bet. And a reminder to everyone, please make sure to go out and give the gift of feedback to help make this podcast better. You can go out, rate and review. You can do that on all of the major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And as always, make sure to visit marketimpactnow.com for the latest in business leadership perspectives. So long until next time.